welcome everyone to the Exploring Potential podcast. I'm so excited to share my guests' views on potential with you. In this podcast, we explore the meaning of potential with guests from various walks of life to better understand what potential is and to be able to discover and grow into more of our own potential in our lives. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Claire Brady, former director of the International Monetary Fund's Office of Internal Audit and Inspection. Claire Brady has 30 years of audit and compliance experience in the banking and finance industry. She graduated from the London School of Economics and took up her position as Director of Internal Audit at the International Monetary Fund in January 2014. Prior to that, she held the position of Vice President and Auditor General of the World Bank Group for four years. In both of these organizations, the Internal Audit team provided objective assurance and advice to support the IMF and World Bank Group's respective missions, influencing changes that enhance risk management, control and governance, and improving accountability for results. Before moving to the United States to take on her position at the IMF, Claire spent five years with Deutsche Bank, based first in London and later in Singapore. She also operated as the audit partner for Deutsche Bank's global investment banking business. So without further ado, here are Claire's views on potential. So welcome, Claire. I'm very happy to have you on the show today. And so we'll jump right into it. And my first question to you would be, how would you define potential? Well, it's a very difficult word to define, I think. My first immediate reaction to the word is a sense of positivity. You know, it's an exciting word, a positive word. Feel optimistic about it. But then when you think about it more deeply, potential has two sides to it, as a positive side and a negative side. And actually, although my first reaction was the positive, you know, the feeling of an unrealized ability, um, somebody who's, you know, capable of being successful has potential. Um, I think that's what leaps to mind first. But then there's also potential problems, potential, you know, on the negative side. Um, and actually in my career, I've probably spent much more time thinking about the negative side of mm. potential. What could potentially go wrong in this organization mm. and trying to get ahead of it and mitigate or you know prevent those problems from materializing than I have on the positive side. Though where it comes up a lot in the corporate world is to do with staff, managing staff. Uh, assessing potential is something you know HR professionals all over the world obsess about mm. and we have all sorts of tools and mechanisms by which we're supposed to assess people's potential uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about that yeah so I, I my my instinct is it's positive um, it's it's future possibilities and I think people if you think talk about people's potential you're almost always talking about something wonderful that could be achieved, might be mm. realised in the future. So that makes people feel very, very positive, very happy. So it's a good word. And do you think that it can actually be achieved? Do you think it's possible for people to live their potential? Yes. Um, I think it's actually really difficult to know what your potential is yourself. I think others can see it more easily. Um, and so it is good to have people help you uh, identify your potential. Or, and you may have potential in all sorts of different directions. I don't think there's just one, um, it's a linear thing, you know, I think it's multifaceted and you can go, you know, some people have the potential to be successful in any number of different careers or um, life paths and and others l less so and maybe there's one thing that is going to unlock their potential so I think it's very hard to see it yourself but it's, it's possible to get there I th also think you can have potential that isn't necessarily good for you I mean when I say not good for you I mean you're not necessarily going to enjoy your life if you exploit that area of potential I mean you probably had people say to you 
uh, you have the potential to become a great lawyer. Would that have made you happy? That potential is there, but mm. it's not necessarily going to make you a happy person. So uh, I'm straying off your question slightly, but um, I think achieving one's potential is something that's always seen as good. I don't necessarily think it is. You know, I've, I've countless times in my career I've, I've heard people say, you have the potential to do X and Y. Mm. And inside, the little voice inside is saying, well, I don't want to do that. Um, I really don't. I have absolutely no desire to follow that path. And I can see why you're saying I have the potential. I mm. could knuckle down and achieve it, but it wouldn't bring me anything. So it's, it's a very, very interesting word. And it's not surprising given how difficult it is to define and how it's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Potential's in the yeah. eye of the beholder. It's very subjective. So you're quite often having conversations with people at, totally at cross purposes if you use the word potential. Yeah, because there is no set definition out there that everyone knows this is exactly what is needed for potential right. to be realized. Right. And that, that's an interesting point that you say, you know, when you talk about other people recognizing potential in you and telling you you have the potential to do something. It made me think about, well, what are their motives? Is that is it convenient for them, for you to reach your potential in an area? Do they, how can they really know that that's an area where you have the potential to to achieve it is one thing, but for it to also really be in alignment with who you are and mm. what your what your strengths are. Yeah. Well, I think I, I have heard that in the context of the corporate world, and I have used it mm. many times with respect to staff. It is, I mean, almost always well-meant, I'm mm. sure. I always mean it in a positive way. But... It is not, I don't think, in the, corporate, in, in the corporate sense, it's usually potential to achieve something beneficial for the corporation as opposed to something beneficial for you. It's, it's wrapped up in a way that it's meant to be something wonderful for you. But actually what that manager is seeing in their subordinate is something that aligns with the objectives of the organisation. Yeah, so when I've said to an employee, you know, you have tremendous potential... I see them being able to advance in the organisation, get to more senior levels. I see them being able to influence others in a positive way, again, in the context of what the organisation is trying to do. Um, that's what I mean. And I'm sort of hoping that it will also resonate with them and they'll enjoy achieving that mm. potential. But I, I recognise it's not, not necessarily the case. And actually, um, probably... As I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about the time that I spent in Asia. So I was based in Singapore for several years and uh, I was quite often involved with diversity initiatives, uh, particularly focusing on gender. Um, many countries there where there, there is a, you know, a, a culture of women holding back, not necessarily having been in the workplace for that long in terms of generations, you know, mm. so it's not a, uh, it's unusual, you know, for women above a certain age in certain countries in Asia, not all, for them to be at any level of management. Um, and it's not because they're not capable. Uh, many, many of them have the potential, but they're self-limiting. Either it's a cultural thing and they just don't feel comfortable because of, of, of cultural norms, or it's deep within them, or maybe this, there's an overlap here, but mm. they themselves don't feel comfortable in a leadership position or managing others or, you know, guiding the careers of, of subordinates. There's, and I, that's where I've sometimes, I remember being quite frustrated seeing brilliant women who said, no, you know, that's very nice, thank you very much for saying that, but I don't want to do anything more than I'm doing now. I don't want to, you know, they saw it as a risk, dangerous, yeah. you know. Um, so that, so there's a cultural difference. I think in uh, Western society, we're sort of programmed to to try and excel and go as far as we can, reach the moon, you know. We're, mm. we're, we're, we're much more driven, male or female. Uh, maybe that's the education system, but culturally... Um, we feel obliged to try and reach our potential. Yeah, that's an 
That's an interesting um, point that potential can also be viewed differently, maybe in different in different cultures. Um, yes, yeah, I, I uh, I've definitely faced that, and also on the on the positive side, some nationals, if I can put it that way. So I'm, I'm thinking about Americans now. Get very excited if you talk about potential. They have a very naturally optimistic outlook in terms of their career and anything's possible. And mm. like, you know, it's that can do culture that people talk about. The American and dream. And it's a massive generalization. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so yeah, we, we mustn't get carried away. But I have seen that. Um, and actually, sometimes, you know, this is helpful because it, you know, you. It guides the words you use when you're trying to inspire someone. You know, so if I'm coaching an American member of staff and I use the language of potential, I know that I will, you know, almost always get a very strong response. Um, you know, it will feel uplifting to that member of staff. They will feel that I'm on their side, you know, that I'm championing them, sponsoring them. So it works wonders in terms of coaching subordinates. Whereas, um, you know, in, in, in Asia, in Singapore, you know, it's almost frightening. If you say you have the potential to, you know, that suggestion of forward movement and sticking out and shining is actually a frightening thing for, for some members of staff. So, you, you know, that's, gonna, that's not going to work. Yeah. You know, having a career discussion with a member of staff in, not, not all again, but you know, tend, tending to, tending, tended to be women, um, that I would moderate my language and talk much more about competence, which they valued highly, mm. technical competence. Um, so in a way, I'm talking, and the way I can hear myself talking about manipulating people. <laughs> <laughs> not brilliant, but for a positive outcome. Well, I don't know if that's if that's manipulating people. I would think it's more if if potential threatens one person as a term and mm. inspires another person. Mm. Why wouldn't you mm. use that mm. when but giving the, feedback? The fact that you have so much variability mm. in people's response to the word shows you how it difficult it is to define. Mm -hmm. um, I think a little bit uh, that's reflecting it a bit. Um, and it's very important that two people who are discussing, you know, something very, very important, their either career or life trajectory, completely understand one another when they're talking about potential, that they, that they have the same concept in mind, um, that they're not, you know, at a tangent, off at a tangent, particularly coaching and, you know, which is what I've done a lot of in my career, mm. but in the confines of a corporate organization and we and potential is something that is discussed in conjunction with talent management in in the corporate world mm. and it's become very much the thing you don't just talk about someone's performance you also talk about their potential and there are all sorts of tools talent management tools most of them have potential and performance on two different you know x and y axis and you're supposed to fit people into a nine box grid it's usually a nine box um, and I found in those discussions that like all these HR tools everybody takes them very very seriously very literally and instead of thinking it's just a tool to help me think and articulate what I want to say about this person so you know I've, I've worked in quite academic environments where you know, paralysis by analysis is, is the name of the game. So if you're talking about a member of staff, you end up having a massive discussion about the definition of potential because uh, you have a discussion about candidate A. There's pretty much broad agreement about performance levels. It's rare when you get a senior group of, of uh, managers from an organisation together that they have a different perception of um, someone who's well known in terms of their performance, but where the the dissension starts, where the uh, the variability starts, is when you talk about potential, um, and it's a very emotive term, and 
I've, I've, I've heard amazing discussions in, in incredibly rarefied corporate atmospheres whereby a, an individual is seen to have limitless potential in a positive way by mm -hmm. one manager and have zero potential in the mind of another. Um, and when that happens, of course, everyone then says, well, what do we mean by potential? And then you get into that big debate mm. about potential. It's very hard to think about someone from an HR point of view, human resources point of view, who's a very high performer but has no potential. Because it feels damning, it feels like a terrible criticism, mm -hmm. but they may be a complete expert at what they're doing, and it's quite often the case. Someone who's been very loyal to the organisation, been there a long time, knows the place inside out, knows what they're doing, uh, and actually they do have potential in the potential to coach others or mm. you know do other things but not potential necessarily to advance themselves mm. and then that flushes out one of the dimensions of potential that everyone gets confused about you know do you have to advance in order to realize potential in a corporate environment cue yet another long debate <laughs> <laughs> so you actually end up not discussing the people at all but just discussing what potential means in in uh, in my experience, so um, I think uh, it's a word to be used with great caution, particularly with respect to, if you like, judging people. Um, because anything that's uh, to do with giving feedback in a formal way, uh, you know, people are on red alert for something negative. And if you say, well, we don't see you as having potential in the company, I mean, that's awful. Yeah. It sounds terrible, but actually they may be a superstar, uh, really, in terms of what they're contributing on a day-to-day -day basis. It's one of those terms that I think you want it to be positive, but you have to be wary of the, the extensive negative side of it. Mm. Uh, yeah. And in those discussions that you had about what potential actually is, did you come to an agreement? Were there certain elements that you could agree on? Well, in the context of the discussions we were having, it was usually to do with the potential to become a future leader of the organisation, even if it's a long way off. So I think, although we were talking about talent in that broad sense, what we ended up talking about was leadership. Um, when we talk about realising potential, we almost talk about it as if it's a destination. What does that mean? I mean, what, what is the end game? Um, does it just, does it mean you have to be a certain amount better than everybody else? What, mm. I mean, what does it actually mean? And would you, are you limiting yourself by having a certain end goal in mind already? Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it has, in my experience, talking to staff about potential, prob the probability element is terribly important. Um, because they have to recognise it, they, or else it won't mean, it doesn't mean anything, mm. they're not getting anything out of it. But, if you can talk about potential, and have identified a particular skill, um, characteristic, um, personal um, attribute that's positive, most, in my experience, most staff will be incredibly energised by that conversation. Just, you know, the possibility of something and a path and, a, and a, something um, positive in the future is enough to motivate them and inspire them and get them to sort of talk a bit more. Mm. But again, you're right about this, um, you know, we talk about success, the potential to be successful is mm. a phrase that comes into my mind all the time as we're, as we're sitting chatting, I'm thinking the potential to be successful. but. How do you define success? Mm. Um, and how do how would I define success for you versus deep down in your heart of hearts, what success is to you? Probably in your heart of hearts, success is much more linked to your personal happiness than my projection of your potential onto mm. you, which will be to do with what I see in terms of your capabilities, your technical capabilities. Yeah. You know, I'll probably say... Sandra, you have the potential to be an amazing 
yoga guru, I think you should leave, da 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 you know, you could, da, da, and all the time you're thinking, well, actually, I want to be an amazing personal coach. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, it's not a very good example, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, yes. it's um, the success element, I think, can be um, where conversations go in different directions. Personal success and broadly understood by other people's success are two wildly different things. Um, and a lot of people go through their career, you know, 10 years of career, 20 years of career, 30 years of career, and they may be defined as terrifically successful, but have had all along the potential to do something else which would have made them much happier. Yeah. And that's very sad. I mean, it can be very sad. Um, and But I think it's changing. The zeitgeist is, mm. is definitely um, shifting towards people being fulfilled in their careers and mm. choosing paths that are meaningful to them, um, that lead to a long-term contentment with their life, as opposed to achieving a certain level of seniority, or a certain level of compensation, things that others might measure them by. Um, we're becoming much more aware, I think, that money can't buy you happiness, to use mm. a cliche and all that sort of thing. So I think there's huge opportunity to explore potential and what it means to different people when people are young. Um, before, you know, they've established themselves in a career path where they, you know, they're almost trapped by their own success, you know, and, and um, you know, the, the generational gap is very apparent in the, U, the UK right now. Most people who are parents of children who are now starting their careers, when they were starting their careers, it, you had to choose one career and you had to do it roughly 18 at the late, you know, and you had to tick a box on your UCAS, as it was called then, form, mm. and go for medicine or law or accounting or da 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 da. Mm. And then you did a sequence of qualifications, and then you got a traineeship or an apprenticeship or whatever, and then you went on and on and on and on and on. And you never doubled back, you did not change track. Um, and financially, actually, it's very difficult to do that for most people. Mm. They may know they're in their own job, but financially they've already got a mortgage they've got liabilities of some sort mm. and they just keep going because mm. they are effectively trapped by their success yeah um, now you know I've I've got children in their 20s and they do not see life like that at all they mm. see my career as being faintly ridiculous mm. in the sense that I, I ended up doing pretty much what I did on day one just mm. in a with more people in a mm. bigger organisation at a more senior level, um, they see themselves as having umpteen different careers and their main job is to unpack their potential and in a much more personal way, you know, to, to try and work out what success will be for them in terms of, generally, I think, their happiness. They get that much more than we did. We didn't expect to be happy so in where our do working you, careers. Why do you think that is? What do you think has changed from your generation to your children's generation? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I can't think of them on the top of my head. I suppose they, um, the environmental factors have changed quite significantly. And there are very few jobs now where you can be in that job for life and have a nice pension at the end of it and know that you're secure. I suppose those, that was a desire for security that drove people into, you know, civil service jobs where mm. the pension was very good or, you know, medicine where, you know, National Health Service, it's all about security, you know, um, being measured as successful by society. I suppose it's a shift away from society judging you successful, it being more important for you to judge yourself as successful, mm. maybe, but I don't know why that's occurred. But the... Certainly, um, you know, with um, IT advances, artificial intelligence, all sorts of fundamental shifts to the working place, 
young people going into jobs today know very well that they're highly unlikely to be in the same job in five, ten years' mm. time. So they've, they've got a much more uh, agile approach to mm. their careers. Um, they're more willing to explore. Um, I think education has shifted to be a bit more positive. It's not as judgmental. I mean, we may have overdone it in this country, and there's an awful lot of talk, particularly at the moment, with A-levels and GCSE results coming out, and have we got it wrong, and, you know, every child succeeding, is that a bad... You know, have we mm. just made them soft, basically? <laughs> That's yeah. how I would put it at my age. But, um, but I think... Uh, so, so I think the educational system is... is the, the architects of the educational system are desperately trying to respond to what they see as being uh, environmental factors which are going to change the workplace for, for young people. Uh, apprenticeships are much more common now and you can do different apprenticeships and you don't have to be a particular age and that's it. You've got one shot mm. and it's over. You now have multiple shots and you can change your mind and start again at something mm. else. Um, I think also we're not as quite as materialistic that the younger generation. Mm. I don't know why. I mean, it's a good thing. Um, you know, I think, well, David Cameron, if I can get vaguely political, David Cameron, when he was Prime Minister, he, I think he was the first Prime Minister to actually talk about trying to measure national happiness. And a lot of people, you can imagine, thought that was just ridiculous. Uh, yet another waste of taxpayers money. Um, but actually the up and coming generations they completely relate to that you know and it, how interesting we shouldn't just be measuring GDP so he had something there but it's very very hard to then translate that into policy um, and action on the ground but recognizing um, that it's not all about GDP some of it's about contentment in the country is, you know, I think that's that's the first step. It's amazing. I I was very inspired when I heard him say that. And it's to me that's very interesting how in some people, the immediate response can be to shut that down and say that's ridiculous and that's yeah. that would be a waste of yeah. of my um, taxes that I'm paying for a country to determine their overall level of happiness. Yeah. And that Absolutely. only the numbers count. Only how much money is being made. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think human beings are by nature competitive, aren't we? We, mm. we want to... I mean, it's all part of the, presumably, a spin-off of surviving. In order to survive, we had to compete for food, etc., etc., and it just carries down. And we're, st we're still striving and competing, but we're not quite sure what for. We don't, we don't have to fight to get a banana these days. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've got all that desire to achieve, attain... Um, and and we channel it sometimes into our careers mm. or into financial gain um, without thinking about any, anything else too much. Um, yeah, so my, my children will often criticise the way we talk about things and think about things, um, but what they're really pointing out is the generational difference, uh, and I, I respect that. Uh, I... I I have had on occasion members of staff who have been, I mean, good people with good skills, but where they're just in the wrong job. I had, I had one very extreme case that is popping into my mind now, which was a long, long time ago. Um, and he was a very, very talented young man. He'd done chartered accountancy and he was just brilliant. He'd Oxford or Cambridge, I can't remember which, very smart guy. But he, he was a bit late with his work. He just, you could tell, he, you could tell this guy is a, you know, he's a phenomenal mind, but something isn't work, something isn't right, mm. because it, it's not translating into success at work. Um, and I remember, I was trying to work out what was going on. I, I didn't know him very well, so I looked at some of the work that he'd been doing just to try and get to know him a little bit better through his work mm. before I talked to him. And I found in his work papers that he had written various expressions, various things in Latin. So he'd writ written up 
the results of a particular, he'd been looking at reviewing a process, mapping it out, um, you know, identifying all the control points, da, 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 all of the stuff he was supposed to be doing. And then there were part, parts of it that he'd written in Latin and they were the him reflecting almost how bored he was. So he would say something in Latin um, about the people he was talking to about them being hopeless. Or, I mean, he'd be quite rude mm. in Latin. Then you go back to the ABC um, drafting and then when he wanted to say and the supervisor didn't know what she was doing or, you know... Mm. You know, he would just say something rude or insulting, but in Latin, here and there, dotted through his work papers. So I, I had this meeting with him, and I was talking to him, and I could, he was looking at me, and he could see what I had in front of me, and he, and he sort of, he thought he, I was going to fire him. <laughs> All I was trying to do was talk to him about what was going on with him. To cut a long story short, he, in the, at the end of that conversation, when we we had you know quite a sort of personal chat, he admitted to me that he loathed his job. You know he he'd done accounting an accounting degree I think at Oxford or Cambridge. He you know he'd done all the things he was supposed mm. to do, and then he'd been to Price Waterhouse or one of the big firms and qualified. And and he felt himself he was on this con, you know this belt this conveyor belt. He couldn't do anything at about. Mm. He felt trapped. So I said, well, what do you really want to do? What would you really love to do? And he said, well, I mean, you know, he said it sounds like a joke, but he said what I'd really like to, to do is to be a, a master of wine. He just said it just like that. So I said, well, why don't you? Why don't you do that? And he then gave me a long explanation of all the reasons why he couldn't, which is to do with parents' expectations. There was a lot to do with his environment, social environment, mm. his parents, his family, his friends, even just his level of intellect, he was supposed to do something brainy. You know, there were all sorts of... As anyway, we mm. unpacked all of that, discussed it ad nauseum. Um, and I pushed him to... to, to I basically organised a sabbatical. Anyway, he, he left in the end. He became a master of wine. Yeah. That's amazing. great. Yeah. And much later, when he'd done it, I'm making it sound like it was very quick, but he studied a lot. I mean, he, th I think it's quite a big deal. It's mm. a, it involves a lot of studying and earning nothing for quite a long period mm. of time, which is one of his fears. But he did write me a letter afterwards saying that he would never have done that if I hadn't called him out on the fact that he was bored at work. I mean, I wasn't talking about his yeah. performance. I was talking about the fact that he was bored um, because that just seemed, for someone so talented to, to, to be bored was shocking to me. So that was a great su success. It can happen. I, mean, I can't say I've, can, I've you know, transformed many lives in that way, but that one I always thought, wow. And it gave me the confidence to poke around a bit in the emotional side of what people were thinking about their job as well as the technical side. Um, because the technical side and how they're doing doesn't tell you the whole story. Um, their demeanour can, and, the, and the way they, whether they're happy or sad and what, make, you know, what makes them light up. Mm. And if you watch that, it can be incredibly illuminating in terms of what makes that person thrive and succeed in the context of their, their view of successful, not mine. Yeah. Um, so in my experience, poor performance is quite often um, linked with someone who's in is a bad fit, is in the wrong place, they're never going to reach their potential. Mm -hmm. the, you know, you, you can't force it. Because it's just not where their potential lies. No, no. As much as they would like it to be, no. or because, like we talked about earlier, expectations from the outside, or what you perceive to be yeah. expectations from yeah. the outside, that keep you stuck in that place. Yeah, yeah. And quite often... Uh, their day-to-day -day life is miserable. Not just because they're not gauged as successful, but because um, the strain of masquerading as mm -hmm. something which is not authentic mm -hmm. to you, is not real, it's not your personality, it's not mm -hmm. who you are, is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and that makes people 
depressed um yeah it's a, a it's huge draining. strain yeah so you're a professional actor essentially yes yes, <laughs> yes. and so when someone says it's okay mm. you don't have to act anymore yeah. you are released yeah. from this these shackles the relief is mm. massive and they feel euphoria yeah. actually even though they have this incredibly uncertain future yeah. possibly lying in front of them that is you know they wouldn't have in you know they wouldn't have off their own back they would not have mm. voluntarily taken that incredibly risky step into mm. an unknown future yeah. but once there's a catalyst when some things happen like that it's actually a relief yeah. um, joyful occasion i've had that i've definitely seen that in staff yeah and do you think that's preventable do you think there's anything that people who feel like they're stuck in that way is there anything that they could do to preempt that? To preempt having someone else, you know, empower them in, in, into their truth, into who they actually are, and to let go of who they thought they should be? I could say something um, controversial. I, I think it would be wonderful if every sixth former had to do a unit of psychology mm. to un to help themselves understand who they are mm. and more about themselves because I think that quite often doesn't kick in in the working world until way later mm. you know it's usually seen as something if you're transitional and you're about to become a senior leader or you're taking on a big new responsibility of some sort or you're um, you know you, all these, all this focus is on the first hundred days, you know, mm. and all that, that very popular stuff. Whereas actually, it's much more useful in your career to know who you are, mm. and that's something that you need to know very early before you make any career decisions. And then, even then, once you've made a career decision, it might still be the wrong one, even with this self knowledge. But mm. you will then have the confidence to know you should change it. Mm. Um, so I'm. Um, one of my sons actually said that I've that's actually um, I've uh, taken that idea from him. He once said it, and I when he said it, I thought that's absolutely right. I can't, mm. you know, the if you think about mandatory um, lessons that you take at school, there's not enough about how to be a successful human being. Mm. Whether it's understanding the way your country works, mm. you know. How does this country earn money? How does it spend money? And mm. how do I fit into that? And mm. what are my responsibilities? Most kids have no idea. Yeah. But they would like to know, yeah. as long as it was taught in a, in a, you know, in a way that was um, approachable, you know, something that they could digest. Mm. Um, and, and knowing what makes you tick as a, as a human being is incredibly valuable. I mean, it's, it's revelatory if you get someone working with you who has that the ability to um, steward you, take you along a, a, dis, a discussion path, which makes you more self-aware. I mean, some, sometimes someone can tell, say something about you that they've observed, and that can change your life, that knowledge. The minute mm. they say it, you think, wow, yes, mm. that is me, that is exactly me. Mm. Um, and that will affect your decision-making for sure permanently afterwards so I think we should front load as much as possible mm. trying to push it into the education system um, yes that's ideally where it starts so that children are equipped already throughout their lives then as they grow up to be more self-aware of what their strengths are what their talents are yeah and I think the in the UK I mean we do have that there is a national um, stereotype um, and it's, it's changing slowly but the whole you know knuckle down um, stiff upper lip fight you know pulls in completely the wrong direction mm. for personal happiness mm. I mean I can remember um, a, a conversation just pop, again popped into my head a conversation with my mother who was staying with me um, for a couple of days and I didn't see that often she lived in another country at the time and um, I was talking about the job I was doing and she was saying, how is it going? And, and I said, 
something along the lines of, it's going fine, you know, I'm doing well, but I'm not really happy. And quick as a flash, her response was, you're not supposed to be happy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But that you know, so my my mother is ninety. Yeah. So I'm talking about that generation. Yeah. But she meant it, you know. And I looked at her and laughed, trying to sort of break her down a bit to get her to adjust what she just said. Yeah. And she was just looking away, <laughs> carrying on with something else. As far as she had spoken. <laughs> this is the you fact of life. Just have to knuckle down and get on with it. Yeah. That was their generation. Um. So. Um, yeah, I, I remember, I, I was really quite shocked um, because she was saying, you, I don't care whether you're happy or not and you shouldn't either. Yeah. That's not what life's about. Life's about just getting on with it. <laughs> so that's where my children's generation, two generations on, long generations because we both had children late, <laughs> um, two generations on, they have a completely different mindset, which is mm. so much more positive. So much more positive. Um, and they allow the idea that um, there can be much, much greater number measure, in terms of measures of success. The measures of success were very limited mm. in my mother's day. The measures of success in my son's day are far greater. The number of measures of success that are allowed and probably that would vary from country to country I'm, I'm having worked in the states a lot in my career one way or another the Americans are much more open to success mm. much more you know much more um, comfortable with the idea of st sorry uh, happiness striving mm. for happiness I keep saying success I mean happiness they're um, they're much more comfortable uh, setting that as their goal, whereas we think happiness is maybe a byproduct. If you're lucky, mm. it's not the goal. I mean, yeah. that would just be awful, hedonistic nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's interesting as well. The connection of how do you define again to come back to how do you define success? Then, you know, and maybe in the U.S., happiness is a bigger part of success than it might be in the U.K. Where absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting because I haven't been working for the last almost a year, sort of eight, nine months, nine, nine months, ten months. Um, how once how that has affected me in terms of um, how I how I feel, you know, who I am. Is that I've suddenly a huge chunk of my life that. Has, been, has not been taken away, that sounds a bit brutal, but, mm. you know, it's voluntarily left behind. Mm. And now I have to be content with what I'm doing and without that. Mm. It's been an interesting transition. And it makes you realise how much your ego, um, you know, thrives on the old measures of success. Well, it's a huge part of our identity, what we do. Yeah. What what we do in our day-to-day -day lives, what our profession is. I mean, that's when you greet each other, when you first meet somebody new, the yeah. first question is, what's your name and what do you do, usually? Yeah, and people have asked me that. Uh, and when I say, and they say, do you work? And I have to say no. I have the urge to then add some brackets and say, but yeah. I used to, and I used to do really well. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, f I feel a crushing sense of failure mm. when I say no. Yeah. You know, to the question, do you work? At a very basic level. I don't think that will ever change for me. But it will for my children. Well, they're, they're, they're already okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you feel like you're living your potential? Uh, partly. But probably not. I'm still trying to work out what path I should have followed. I think, it, I think a lot of people do that as they're coming to the end of their career. Because I feel, I, I feel confident enough to look back, to be very retrospective, 
because I've achieved a certain level of success and therefore I feel I'm entitled to look back and say, oh, I've banked that now. Yeah. Now, what could have happened? What could have been? Um, and even now, with all these decades of experience, I honestly don't know. I know there were certain paths I could have chosen or could have taken. I could have become a doctor like my parents. I've always wondered whether I should have done that. I, I reacted to my parents and didn't become a doctor because there was a huge expectation that mm. I would be. Um, and my parents' parents had been doctors and parents' parents, mm. you know, on all you go. So there was this massive expectation. Anyway, I went the maths route, economics route, and, and, and didn't do medicine, but I often wonder whether I would have enjoyed medicine. But you, you don't get... I mean, I'd quite like another life to try that out and see... But obviously that's not going to happen. Well, and I'm too old life. to train now. Why? <laughs> I am too old. By the time I qualified, I'd be retired. Um, so, yes, it wouldn't be a very good investment for the government, I don't think. Um, you would have had to do it a while back. Um, I often thought about becoming a maths teacher. Because mm -hmm. I love maths. And quite would quite like the idea of teaching you know, again, recognising people have ability and talent, the teaching thing is, uh, I think that. So uh, that's, a, that's part of my job that I have enjoyed, of my, the, my actual career path mm. that I've enjoyed tremendously, is when you spot someone who's really capable and then and you nurture them and give them opportunities and, you know, make sure they get onto short lists for positions and that sort of thing and you see them flourish. Um, it's an incredibly rewarding thing, and I think te this is, is teaching effectively, isn't it? Mm. Aspect of your job. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm still thinking now, what would I like to do next? And even now, having said all that I've just said, the, I know that the safest thing for me to do right now would be to go back into the city. When I say back into the city, go into the London city as opposed mm. to where I was, Washington DC. I've spent most of the year moving back to the UK, repatriating, getting my family settled. And, um, and I could easily just walk straight back into a city job. And there's part of me that wants to do that because I've accumulated so much experience that I could then exploit in that situation. Mm. And it might even be fun because the pressure's off. Having had a, a year off, in effect, you, it does take the pressure off, you know, because I've had a chance to step back, mentally step back, and say, okay, achieved, 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 everything now is icing on the cake, it's a bonus. So as opposed to you're still on that corporate ladder struggling your way, you know, I, the ladder's gone now. Mm. I, don't, I don't see a ladder in front of me at all, which is quite liberating. Um, but alternatively, I could do something completely different. Um, and all the same anxieties beset you the minute you take that thought process seriously. Mm. So I know how hard work, maybe it's a, a, a you know, generational thing, don't know. Um, but I've had a lot of fantastic coaching in my career. Mm -hmm. I say a lot. I've had some coaching, pretty much all of which was fantastic. Mm. That's a better way of putting it. Um, and whenever I've been coached um, in a positive way for my own career, I've found it incredibly useful. Yeah, so I don't know. So I'm a complete failure in that respect. Uh, in terms of exploring my... I think we're all rubbish at exploring our own potential. Mm. I do think you need someone to help you, or people to mm. help you. Like, to know yourself so completely is very unusual. Because it's not just what's there at the moment. It's the, it's the path. Uh, so knowing what success is to you personally, deep down, and that's, I'm converting that into potential. So potential being what deep down success means to you. To dig that out without any help, I think is almost impossible. I don't know why. I think you need feedback in the, and when I say mm. there needs to be a feedback loop, something that you're bouncing off 
um, to help you with the blind spots that you're not seeing. Yeah, yeah, because we have our mental um, furrows, don't we? Mm. That we go down repeatedly. And was it you that was saying in one of the yoga classes something about sixty or percent of mm. our thoughts are on a loop or something? Yeah. I can't remember whether it was sixty or seventy, but it was a lot anyway. Yeah. Gasp in the yurt uh, when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> so there, that that comment there, mm. that sh- that is explains the situation, isn't it? We mm. can't. It's very hard to break out of mm. the mental ruts that we've dug for ourselves, that mm. we've ploughed over and over and over. Um, that's why I think you need a catalyst. You need something to help you, something to bounce you out of those ruts. And it's a talent working with someone in a way whether the, the, the coach, the teacher, the facilitator is 100% focused on the coachee and not imposing anything from their own value system upon the pupil, the, the person that's exploring. That's very, very hard, I think. So it takes, that takes some talent to try and read someone, reflect what you're seeing back to that person to see if it resonates with them. And then if it does, then they can take that ball and run with it, to Mm. use yet another sporting analogy. Um, But incredibly, you know, to see that light bulb go on and Mm. see people recognise themselves Mm. when you've said something to them Mm. and you're really talking about their inner person, the inner person, that's amazing. It's a great career. I imagine being a counsellor or a um, psychological counsellor or a, a, a career coach, executive mm. coach. It must be a very, very rewarding career. Again, miles away from potential, but... <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what, what I'd like to come back to is mm. um, um, potential, especially your personal potential. Um, we talked about earlier, and in what area of your life would you say you've most lived your potential so far? Wow. Oh, that's a really difficult question. Oh, I can't, I don't know. I mean, I suppose I had the potential to be a great auditor. I've lived that, I suppose, you could say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, is being a great auditor something laudable? I don't know, I don't think so. But, um, yeah, I... Yeah, I probably reached my potential there. But I could have done anything. Actually, once someone, uh, someone famous, actually, that, is, uh, that I worked with quite a while ago, famous and the reason I say famous is because therefore the words meant that much more to me in a way you know because mm. this person was very well known in in the world of finance um, at the time and he said he said to me something when I was leaving the organization he's he was trying to stop me from going and then he said you're the sort of person that that just just going to be good at whatever they do. Um, and I think he um, that gave me the most incredible confidence, personal confidence, because I respected him as a person. Um, and what he was saying was, well, I've tried to keep you here, but you're going to go on, and I understand that. But the fact that he gave me that you know, huge goodwill and that, I mean, it was a massive gift to give Mm. someone. Um, But, and I believed him, more importantly. Uh, It was sort of a a time where my whole uh, mental state shifted. And so I now, when you ask me what could, you know, about my potential, I could have been a great maths teacher, I could have probably been a good doctor, I could have done this, I could have done that. And I believe that I could have been successful. Now, which one of those would have made me the happiest? That's the bit I don't know. 
Mm. And that's why I'm struggling to answer your question. I have no idea. So which area of your life would you like to live more of your potential? I'd like to do a, quite a few things. Um, I, 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 it's just too big a question, I think, to be able to answer it on the hoof. Um, I know that I have some artistic ability, which I've done nothing with at mm -hmm. all, which I would like to try again, whether it's not necessarily drawing or painting, but it could be photography or, you know, or a mixture of some sort of arty thing. And, you know, so it, it, in terms of things I'm going to do before I die, that's very much on the list. Mm. And I might not go anywhere. I might not really um, be that good, but I did. I definitely know I have some ability in that mm. area, um, which I just packed away a long time ago and never did anything with it. Um, and uh, music. I... I really enjoy music of all sorts of all different types and I, I would like to explore you know learning an instrument maybe the piano or something you know something mainstream mm -hmm. where I could actually achieve a certain level um, and this is sounding I am sounding exactly like every other woman my age who's got a you know, career behind them is sort of facing the last few years of their mm. This is, and I'm very stereotypical, art, music, and I'm going to say dance, aren't I? And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and if, you know, I suppose, so what I'm, there, what I'm articulating here is the creative side, which has been repressed, if you like, has been mm. buttoned down, while I've really, really built out and fleshed out that analytical side mm. of my ability, my potential. So I went for that. Um, I think um, that probably I would have been happier, and I don't mean I was unhappy, but I mean mm -hmm. I could have achieved more personal happiness if I had uh, run my own business in some form. I'm very comfortable being out in front and being a leader and mm -hmm. um, not necessarily grandstanding, I don't mean, you know, being on a stage with thousands of people. Um, I'm talking about just taking responsibility and being accountable for something. I'm not, mm. I'm quite brave in that sense, not in the public speaking sense. So, um, and somebody once said, I think it was when I was in Singapore, living in Singapore, um, I was talking to someone and she, I hadn't met her before. And someone said to me, she, she's, um, she, can, she can see into people. Mm -hmm. She's got this ability. She can see who they really are. Um, and I found that most strange, odd. And she came over and started talking to me. And she said, oh, I've heard about you. I know a little bit about you. And she, she asked me more, in more detail what I did day to day, what my career had consisted of and all of that. And she just said straight out to me, you're in the wrong career, which is shocking mm. to hear. I mean, if I'd been struggling in my career, maybe not so yeah. shocking, but, you know, by most people's measure, I'd been relatively successful. So for her to say you're just in the wrong career was shocking to me. And uh, she asked me more about who I worked for, and she said, you shouldn't really be working for anyone. You should be working for yourself. And she said other things which I get you know I I had this feeling that she was right I can't explain it and so I've often thought back about that but it's a bit you know again I suppose I could do that now I could do something now but it's what is is the business idea and making, mm. you know having that spark um, so I would be very comfortable running a business maybe it'll be somebody else's business and I do the running bit I don't know I don't know. Um, yeah, so there are other, there's other, there are other things. I think you've got to feel that there is potential in life or else you'd be quite miserable. Whatever your age, it could be 100 years old, you've got to think there's some potential in tomorrow. It's a very powerful word.
And most people feel energised with the word potential. It's an exciting word, full of possibility. Yeah, so I think it's a word to be celebrated. I'm glad you're exploring it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have, um, there's two more questions that I'd like to ask. And um, the first one would be, has your view or your opinion about potential or what potential is changed from when we first started the interview to now? Um, not massively, but I think it's probably because I've thought about potential a lot. Mm. Um, at various times throughout my career life, because of my career largely. Um, I've probably thought about potential in a, within a narrow definition for most of that time. And it's only latterly that I've, I'm thinking about it more broadly, probably. I'm, it's very nice to explore ideas about potential with someone mm. else who's interested. So it helps get thoughts out. But I don't think I think of it differently. Um, so much. I think all what I am thinking now, having been stimulated by this conversation, is how important it is to think about it more, particularly as I am now in the transition phase in my life, and my husband is also in his life, and my kids are in their lives, and mm -hmm. other people that I know. You know, when you're in transition, is just a wonderful time to reflect and take stock, and when the pressure's off a little bit in terms of the day to day. You know, it stimulated my interest to explore more and probably to think more about my kids actually and their potential to help them reach their potential. Okay, so last question is there something new that you learned about potential that you hadn't thought of before? I think in the course of the conversation, mm -hmm. one thing that I've registered with myself which I will mentally go back to at some point, is how easy it is to encourage someone to fulfil your ideal of their potential. And that doesn't really make much sense, but imposing your idea of success on someone else mm. and, and describing it as them fulfilling their potential. You know? It's very easy, and of course, the, to do that, and it's the, the further on in life you are, the more people will look to you and ask your opinion about things because they value your experience, mm. and therefore the potential to <laughs> um, skew someone's thinking or to push them down a particular mental path, which isn't necessarily optimal for them got to be very very careful about that and very conscious of not letting your ego into the room too much trying to think I mean trying to be in someone else's mind is hard but and you have to really work at it and you can't work at it too much I don't think the ego's desire to be front and center is massive and so you think I popped my own thoughts here for the and I'm now focusing on Jane Smith and what she needs. Mm. But your ego is well and truly still in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> so um, I think the, the negative aspects... I mean, you know, when you first started talking and I was reflecting what I think about potential, I think I was very much focusing on it's an exciting word, it's a positive word, mm. it's a, you know, so I was thinking about that the positive side of the spectrum and there's this insidious negative side that you might not see so well-intentioned mm. actions and interventions could actually generate unbeknownst to you a negative consequence but only if you let it if you as a person in a leadership position say to someone you have potential in this area 
and they learned early on to know who they are as a person then you could that person could easily say okay that's that's true for me or that isn't they could discern that's another person's opinion and i can choose to accept that yeah. or not if they have if they've developed that knowledge that strength that resilience mm. um that self-awareness yeah and but you, so you have to gauge that, which is tricky. Yeah. If you're dealing with someone else, I mean, it, you, it, I don't know why it is so seductive to be told by someone else what's best for you, but it mm. is. You know, I think it's because we're so grateful for any attention at all. Mm. You know, if someone said, "I think you should wear lemon ye- yellow sweaters every day," <laughs> I know there'd be a split second where I took that seriously. Because someone, I, I, because I put so much store, someone has shown an interest in me. It's about me. Mm. and I put a lot of weight in, um, and I think a lot, I think most people are like that. And I guess you would assume, in a positive way, that they have your best, best interest at heart. Yeah. Um, yes, if someone shows an interest in you, they must be uh, interested in a positive way mm. for me. And it's subordinating your own opinion and judgment as well. Yeah. They must know better than I. I mean, I usually wear pink, but if they say yellow, then <laughs> that must be right. Well, I don't see myself as much as they see me, so they must be right. Yeah. yeah. So the vulnerability is huge in people. Mm. And I think it's easier also to hand over having to look inward and reflect because... There are so many unknowns. It's a lot easier to just believe someone, especially when you respect them, especially when they are in a position that you would deem successful, a person that you would deem competent, then it's very easy to not question whether you think that's true for yourself, what they've just said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's a very, very potent thing in terms of coaching it's a very powerful subject um, and then they're you know treated with care but worth lots of exploration mm. definitely I'm sure there'll be a lot more that comes out because it's such a rich scene isn't it mm. in, in, in terms of um, what positive ends can be achieved and if HR departments are, you know, mangling it for now with their x-axis and their y-axis with performance mm. and potential. And yeah, that's just because we're at the early, early stages. We're just—it's just in its infancy, in my view. Mm. Um, we're allowing ourselves to think that we, could, we might be able to do something mm. positive with, in this area. It's quite a scary subject, actually, in a good way. Anything worth having is a bit scared. Anything worth working towards is a bit daunting. Yeah. I'll say that in a positive way. Yeah, I think it's, it's a very interesting subject. Well, that's a great note to end on. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Not at all, it's been great fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs>